Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. Today, we continue a series on the seven churches of Revelation. Last time, John began sharing with us Jesus' message to the church at Smyrna, which was experiencing persecution. Jesus' message began with him telling them that he had conquered death and that he knew what was happening to them. If you can, please turn in your Bible to Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. As John continues his message, have you ever been persecuted for following Jesus? The next thing Jesus said is, he said, you have everything you need to fight this battle. Look at that verse again. I know your works, your tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. He's talking about spiritual wealth. And Jesus is saying to them, you have everything you need. You have all the grace in the world all the strength in the world, all the faith that you need. He said, and I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. In other words, many of the people who were killing these Christians in Smyrna were, were Jews. They, they, they did not receive Jesus, and so in, in Jesus' mind, they were serving Satan. But nonetheless, Jesus says to these Christians there, you have everything you need to fight this battle. Now, when Jesus said to that church, remember your, your wealth, you're rich, you may be materially poor, you may not have a lot of money in the bank or a big house to live in, but spiritually speaking, you are wealthy, you are rich, you have the grace of God, the presence of God, the power of God, the strength of God, the faith that God has given you to fight this battle. And friend, to you today who are fighting a battle, going through about this time, I want to say to you that in the power of the Holy Spirit, you have strength to fight the battle that you are currently facing. If you'll remember, Jesus is with you. God is at the bottom, and you have faith for this. You can do it. And that's what Jesus said to those in Smyrna who were being persecuted for their faith. Now, the fourth thing Jesus says, and it makes sense coming after that, he says, don't be afraid. Remember, I've conquered death. Remember, you have faith for this. Don't be afraid. Look in verse number 10. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Do not fear it. Uh, Don't be afraid. And God doesn't want us to ever be afraid. Remember this. Fear is not from God. Anytime you have a fearful thought, it is not from God. That is from the devil himself. God, the Scripture says, has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So don't be afraid. And then the next thing that Jesus says to these persecuted Christians, he says, remember what you're facing right now is a temporary test. It is not a permanent problem. Now that's encouraging today. If you're battling cancer today, if you're going through something tough today, you need to remember that may not strictly be persecution, but it's, difficult. it's a hard time nonetheless. And remember, it's not a permanent problem. It's a temporary test. Look back in verse 10. He says, indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Now, 
Was he talking about 10 literal days? Maybe. Probably he's using that phrase to talk about brevity of time. In other words, in the grand scheme of things, what you're going through today is not going to be very long. You know, God's Word is so timely. When I was preparing this message, I I wish you could see my Bible, and I know you can't from where you are, but years ago, I was in my own Bible reading, I was reading through this passage of Scripture in Revelation chapter 2, and I dated it, and I had not even connected these dots until late last night, but it was on Good Friday, which was April the 19th of a particular year. And I read this verse, do not fear any of those things which you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. And when I read that on Good Friday years ago, I I don't even honestly remember reading this, but I did read it and I, I even marked Good Friday and I put the date by it. Last night, I was, I was reviewing that season of time in my life, and in less than two weeks from when I read that, that, that came back to be a blessing to me. And what God was saying to me then, what God was saying to the Christians in Smyrna years ago, and what He's saying to all of us today is, when you go through a difficult time in your life, whatever, it, whatever the difficulty may be, don't be afraid And remember, it is a temporary test. It is not a permanent problem. This too shall pass. Now, the next thing Jesus was saying to the church is stay faithful and don't quit. Look at the end of verse 10. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. You know, when we're going through a hard time, if we give up and quit, we'll always wonder what God would have done or what God could have done if we would have stayed in the fight and tried to stay faithful to Him. And Jesus says here to these Christians, be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. So don't give up. And I just feel led to say that to somebody today who's facing a challenge, a Mount Everest in your life. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep trusting God and keep moving forward. And then the next thing that Jesus said, the seventh thing, He says to them and He says to us, He says to you today, you can overcome what you're facing and you will overcome what you're facing because you are a child of God. Look in verse number 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. And so Jesus was saying to these, to these Christians in Smyrna, listen, you're going to overcome this. Not only can you, but you will overcome. One of the marks of a child of God is that we overcome by God's grace everything that we face in life. Now turn back just a few pages to the book of 1 John in chapter number 5. John wrote Revelation, and John, of course, wrote 1 John. And in 1 John chapter 5, I want to show you a verse, and I want you to mark this in your Bible. Verse number 4. 1 John 5, verse 4. And here's what the Scripture says. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Now let's just slow down and think about that. Whatever is born of God, that is, if you've been saved, it doesn't say whatever is born of God has the possibility or the potential of overcoming the world. One of the proofs that you're truly saved is that when you go through a tough time in your life, you overcome that. 
And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. How do you overcome difficulty in life? By your faith in God, by your trust in God, by your conviction that He is in control of your life and that He will bring good uh, out of unthinkable bad. And so Jesus was saying to these Christians in Smyrna, listen, you can overcome what you're facing, and you will overcome because whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And so as a child of God, when your back's against the wall and you're up against it, you don't ever have to wonder, can I overcome this? Friend, not only can you overcome it, but you will overcome it. You must overcome it because you are a child of God. If you believe that, say amen. Now, I just gave you seven messages that Jesus had for the churches. Have you ever known me to go through seven points that quickly in all your life? Well, the reason I wanted to go through it so quickly is because I wanted to tell a story at the end, and I didn't want to have to rush the story. Some of you will have heard parts of this story, maybe all of it. Others of you will not have heard this story, but it is one of the greatest stories in the history of the church. And it's the best illustration I know about persecution. There was a man named Polycarp, P-O-L-Y-C-A-R-P. Polycarp was a disciple of the Apostle John. In fact, Polycarp may have been the last person living who had had direct access to one of the disciples of Jesus Christ. John was the oldest disciple. John had mentored Polycarp. In fact, Polycarp ultimately became the pastor of the church in Smyrna. Some say that the old apostle John was the one who ordained him and helped him to establish himself in that position as pastor. Polycarp became the pastor of Smyrna several decades after John wrote this book of the Revelation. And when Polycarp was the pastor, the persecution in Smyrna had intensified even from what we were studying this morning. Polycarp's time, let's just use the, the year 155 A.D. as the key date for Polycarp's life. Christians that he was pastoring were being persecuted for their faith. They were being uh, they were being imprisoned, and many of them were being taken to a place in Smyrna that was known as the arena. Now, when, when I say the arena, I want you to picture a large outdoor facility, maybe like the rodeo grounds across the street, except it was probably larger than that. Many of us have seen the picture of the Colosseum in Rome. Some of us have been to Rome, and we know that the Colosseum was a place not only where great sporting events took place, but in the first century, the Colosseum was a place where Christians were brought and they were forced to either renounce their faith in Christ or to be killed for their faith in Christ. And the Colosseum is huge. It would be filled with thousands of people who were anti-Christ, anti-Christianity, and very much like we would go to NRG Stadium today or Minute Maid Park to watch a ball game and cheer for our team. These anti-Christians would go to the Colosseum and they would cheer as Christians were killed by wild animals. Back in those days, they would keep the wild animals 
in what you and I today would call the, the locker room or the dressing room area. And they had, they had gates or doors, and, and they would open these doors, and out would come a wild and hungry lion or a wild and hungry tiger, these wild animals, and they would maul and kill these Christians who refused to recant their faith, and the crowd would cheer. Well, in Smyrna, they didn't have the Colosseum, but they had an arena. And these Christians were brought one after another to the arena. And they were, said, they were told this by the proconsul. The proconsul was the, the governor uh, representing this, this area. And the proconsul would say, curse Christ or die. And those early Christians would say, I cannot curse Christ. Open the gate. Out would come the animal. They would be killed. And the anti-Christians would applaud. Well, on a particular day, as they were watching this happen, and after the Christians for that day had been killed, the crowd started calling for Polycarp. We want Polycarp. We want Polycarp. We want Polycarp. After all, he's the leader of these Christians. He's the pastor of the church that they attend. How's he not being brought into the arena? How's he not having to pay for refusing to say Caesar is Lord? And so the officers were instructed to go and Polycarp and bring him to the arena. Interestingly enough, three days before Polycarp was arrested, he had had a dream. If you study this, you see that the details of the dream are somewhat disputed, but in the dream, he had had a vision that he would be burned alive for his faith in Jesus Christ. Well, on the day when the guards and the officers finally found where Polycarp was, he, had, he was in an upstairs room, and he had been resting, and he had been praying, and, and here come these, these authorities to, to arrest him, and some of Polycarp's friends who were in the house with him said, Polycarp, they're here to arrest you. Sneak out the back way, and we'll cover for you. Polycarp responded to his friends. Here was his quote. He said, God's will be done. He refused to run. He went downstairs. He met those who had come to arrest him. He spoke kindly to them. He asked how they were doing. And he asked his friends who were in the same house. He said, would you guys please prepare something for these men to eat and something for them to drink? They looked tired. They looked thirsty. They looked hungry. And he, they prepared something for them to eat. Polycarp said, I know that you're here to arrest me, and I promise I won't fight you. But I do have one request. He said, I'm asking you to give me one hour to pray before I'm arrested. They thought it was an odd request, but he was a kind and elderly man, and so they granted him that request. The one hour actually turned into two hours. They could overhear him praying, and the guards said to one another, what are we doing arresting a man like this? He's so tender. He's so kind. He's so meek. What are we doing? But we have to do it. And so when he finishes praying, they arrested Polycarp, and they began carrying him to the arena in Smyrna where he would have to either stand by his faith or renounce his faith. As he was going into the arena, Polycarp heard a voice from heaven, and that voice from heaven said to Polycarp, and I want to make sure that I get this quote exactly right because it's a great quote. The voice from heaven said this, Be strong, Polycarp. And play the man. Be strong and play the man. And so he went into the arena and he stood before the proconsul, and the proconsul said to Polycarp, he said, Polycarp, curse Christ 
and I will release you. Polycarp said to that proconsul, that was one of the most well-known quotes, by the way, in all of church history. He said, 86 years have I served him, and he has done me no wrong. I cannot blaspheme my king and my savior. The proconsul, wanting to spare Polycarp's life, he's 86 years old, he's frail, and the proconsul thought, what are we going to gain by killing this man? And he said, Polycarp, if you refuse to curse Christ and you refuse to say Caesar is Lord, at least give some acknowledgement that the emperor has some godlike qualities, that he too is deity. You can stay true to Christ, but at least give some concession that the emperor is some form of deity. And Polycarp said, you speak to me like you don't know who I am. Hear it plain. I am a Christian. And I cannot say that the emperor is deity. Only Christ is Lord. And he said, Polycarp, if you, if you refuse to at least give some acknowledgement to the emperor, I'm going to open these gates and we're going to release the wild beast on you. Polycarp said, bring them forth. He said, Polycarp, the proconsul said, Polycarp, if you refuse to say Caesar is Lord, if you refuse to at least back off of your allegiance to Christ a little bit, we're going to burn you at the stake. Polycarp said, the fire that you're going to put on my body will burn out within about an hour. But the judgment of the ungodly will last forever. They lit the flames, his hands behind his back, and they began the process of setting Polycarp on fire. And here was the prayer that he prayed. Father, I bless you that you have deemed me worthy of this day and hour that I might take a portion of the martyrs in the cup of Christ. Among these, may I today be welcome before your face as a rich and acceptable sacrifice. As the fires engulfed him and began to burn his body, his Christian friends who were watching this experience, watching their pastor, watching their leader literally be burned at the stake for his faith in Jesus Christ, they made an interesting observation. They said his body doesn't smell like flesh that is burning. Instead, they said, it smells like bread that is baking. A beautiful, sweet-smelling sacrifice to God. On February the 23rd, in the year 155 A.D., February the 23rd, by the way, is a Christian holiday, a day of celebration even today in many churches to remember the legacy of Polycarp. We celebrate the man who stayed true to his faith in Jesus Christ in the midst, in the face of the ultimate persecution. As I was finishing writing this out last night, I thought, how did he do that? Polycarp knew in his heart that Jesus was with him. He knew that God was at the bottom and that underneath 
with the everlasting arms. And he knew beyond the shadow of any doubt that he had faith for this. And that through that faith, he could and he would overcome this trial. Friend, I want to say to you today, whatever you're facing, if you'll remember this, it's a temporary test. It's not a permanent problem. If you'll stay faithful and just refuse to quit, and if you can remember in the midst of the battle, Jesus is with you. God is at the bottom. And you have faith for this. You're going to come through it. And you're going to come through it in such a way that God is honored, that he is glorified, and that everybody in your circle of influence is blessed beyond measure because of your faithfulness. Amen. Father, I thank you today for the life and legacy of Polycarp. And God, there's no doubt that when he was going through this, he already had the words that, that you had spoken to the church in Smyrna even before he became the pastor. God, you had written the words he needed before he went through the battle he would face. And God, that's true for us today. In your word, you have already given us everything that we would need before we face the battle. With your head bowed and eyes closed, we're about finished. But I want you to hear these seven words of Jesus to you and in, a, in, in, in way of summary and in way of contemplation. I want you to hear his message to you today. I have conquered death. I know what's happening to you. You have everything you need to fight this battle. Don't be afraid. Remember that it's a temporary test, not a permanent problem. Stay faithful. Don't quit. You can overcome this. And you will overcome this because you are a child of God. With your head bowed and eyes closed, people are going through different battles in this room right now, different battles in your home right now. Would you just say this to Jesus? Say, Jesus, I trust you. I trust you with this. I believe that you're with me. I believe that God is at the bottom. And I believe that I have faith for this. And I believe because of that faith, I will overcome it. One way or another, I will overcome it. I'm an overcomer. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And I'm born of God. Now, some today, you say, yeah, John, but I'm not sure I'm born of God. I'm not sure I've ever been saved. People are being saved every service. Would you pray this prayer right now? Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. And I trust you to do it. I trust you, Jesus. Welcome to my heart. Begin now to make me the person you want me to be. Amen. For those of you who have prayed to receive Christ as your Savior today, we would love to know about it and to rejoice with you in your decision. Please let us know by sending an email to info at peacebybelieving.org or by giving us a call at 1-800-337-0157. Again, that's 1-800-337-0157. 
If you are a new believer in Jesus Christ, we encourage you to get plugged into a strong Bible-believing church in your area and to tell your friends and family about how Jesus has changed your life. We have a booklet titled, How to Be a Happy Christian, that will help you in your new faith journey. You can find it and others under the booklets tab on our website, peacebybelieving.org. To watch videos of John's series on the book of Revelation from the beginning, simply go to www.fbp.org forward slash revelation. Again, that's www.fbp.org forward slash revelation. We would love for you to keep up with us on social media. We invite you to like Peace by Believing Ministries on Facebook and follow at PBB underscore broadcast on Twitter. And don't forget to share and tell your family and friends about Peace by Believing. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.